0: suffering is an ever-present part of the human experience but why here's pastor jeff shreve
1: suffering is part of the deal on earth as followers of christ you're going to suffer i'm going to suffer if we really walk with god the apostle paul told timothy yea all who desire to live godly in christ jesus will suffer persecution there's going to be heartache and heartbreak and pain Hey, is there pain in the Christian life? Yes. Is there difficulty in the Christian life? Yes. Is there gain in the Christian life? Yes. So much gain that it outweighs any kind of pain that you and I could ever experience.
0: important from the beginning to teach people that there is great gain in the Christian life. But, transparently, there's also great pain in the Christian life. Jesus reminded us to count the cost. You need to know what it costs to follow Christ. You see, if we don't understand that there's going to be suffering in the Christian life, we're going to get very disillusioned when suffering comes our way. This is from his heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, where today he concludes the second message in the series The Dividing Line A Baby Changes Everything. The lesson is entitled The Pain and Gain of Christmas. Of course, we gained a Savior on Christmas who suffered much pain for you and me on the cross. So let's investigate what it means to enjoy the gain of Christmas and withstand the pain of it as well. Again, a reminder that if you miss any of these timely lessons from Pastor Jeff's Christmas series, you can listen again once they've aired at fromhisheart.org and click the Listen tab. There too, you can download a free MP3 of any broadcast along with the sermon outlines and notes from Pastor Jeff. Right now, open your Bible to Luke chapter 2 and we're in part 2 of the message, The Pain and Gain of Christmas.
1: You know, it is important to teach people from the very beginning that there is great gain in the Christian life, but there is also pain in the Christian life. Jesus said, count the cost. You need to know what it costs to follow me. And if you don't understand that there is going to be suffering in the Christian life, you're gonna get very disillusioned when suffering comes your way. Simeon is going to introduce us to some pain in the Christmas story that we have not heard up until this point. And I want you to notice with me from the passage we read four important truths concerning the Lord Jesus, truths that appeal to the gain of Christmas and truths that tell us about the pain of Christmas. Truth number one, Jesus is the savior of the world who saves Jews and Gentiles, That is good news. That is great news. Look at it again, beginning in verse 27. And he came into the spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took the child into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, And the glory of your people, Israel. Man, that's great news. He quotes from Isaiah 9 that says that the Lord is coming to Galilee of the Gentiles, and he is going to be a light to those who walk in darkness, speaking of Gentiles. And he's going to be a light to the Jews and glory to the Jews. So this is great news. The Savior has come, the Savior of the world, to save Jews and Gentiles. John says that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. He said, we testify that the Father has said, this one Jesus is the Savior of the world. That is great news for the Gentiles. But notice this, it's amazing news to the Jews. So when he quotes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 32, a light of salvation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Verse 33, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. That's amazing. Why is that amazing? Because they weren't thinking in terms of Gentiles, they were just thinking in terms of the glory of Israel. This is the Messiah of Israel. Wow! Salvation. For the Gentiles, too, not just for the Jews. Now, that was pretty awesome to receive that news. But then they're getting ready to hear some other news they haven't heard before. And it says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mary's just been hearing gain, 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 but now all of a sudden she hears about pain. Important truth number two not only is the Lord the Savior of the world, but the Lord is the chief cornerstone who causes inevitable division. He causes some to fall and some to rise. There is no middle ground with Jesus. Romans chapter 9, verse 33 says this. Behold, God says, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Now... Simeon said, this child is appointed. He's designated. He has been set forth and destined so that people either fall or rise on him. So Jesus becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And people say, no way am I going to believe that. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 23 says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are, peri- are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To the Gentiles, the cross is foolishness, and to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. It's a scandal on. It is something that they reject, and those who proudly reject, they're going to fall. But those who humbly receive him, they're going to rise. And that word rise literally means a rising up from the dead. And those who humbly receive Christ, they will rise. Now, I told you the story. Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he tells about the parable, and he tells, have you not read the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone, and it was marvelous in our eyes. And then he says this, and he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like Dust. Chief cornerstone. You have an option with the chief cornerstone. You can fall upon the stone and be broken. And I believe that means fall upon the stone in repentance. Kind of like the woman in Luke 7 who wept at his feet. She fell upon the stone and with a broken heart, a repentant heart. And what did he do? He raised her up. Your sins are forgiven, your faith is saved, you go in peace. If you fall upon the stone, you'll be broken and he will raise you up, he will save you. But if the stone falls upon you, it will scatter you like dust. He's the chief cornerstone who causes inevitable division. And some are scattered like dust and some fall before him in repentance and faith and are raised up. There is no middle ground with Jesus. Important truth number three, he is a divine miracle who produces intense opposition. See, Simeon said, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign, a simeon, a divine miracle and a testing miracle to be opposed. That's what he told her. This one is going to be opposed. She never heard that before. Like I told you, I mean, Messiah, everybody's waiting for the Messiah. And now the Messiah is going to be opposed. Who would oppose him? I mean, we've been praying for God to send the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And now you're saying that here he is, but he's going to be opposed. The word opposed means to be contradicted, to speak against, to declare oneself against, to refuse to obey. That's what's going to happen to this one. He's a sign to be opposed. Now the Jews did not receive him by and large. We know that. She didn't know that at the time. He's 40 days old. She didn't know that the Jews were going to reject him. But Simeon said that's gonna happen. He's gonna be opposed. And John puts it this way. He was in the world, John 1 10. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, he came to the Jews. And they did not receive him. They rejected him. Who does Jesus have all the trouble with? The religious leaders who contradict him. What do they say about Jesus? He's insane. He's a Samaritan. He has a demon. He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. He is a son of Satan. Here is God in the flesh right before these religious leaders who have spent their whole lives studying the Old Testament scrolls. And what do they say when they have God in the flesh right before him? You are a son of Satan. I mean, you can't miss it any more than that. You get it 180 degrees wrong. Why do they get it so wrong? Because they chose their sin over God's son. That's why. That's why. Because he is a... Stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And when you're proud in heart, you don't want to humble yourself and fall on the stone. You stand up to the Lord and you say, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And the Jews knew that Pharaoh did that. He said those same words to the Lord and was crushed like powder. But they're doing the exact same thing. Because here's the deal about sin. Sin does not want to submit To Jesus the flesh does not want to submit to Jesus the flesh says who is the Lord that I should obey his voice I'm captain of my own ship I want to do what I want to do so the Jews chose their sin over God's son John chapter 3 Jesus said this and this is the judgment that the light is come into the world And men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's what was going on. Jesus was the light, and the light illuminates the darkness, and it exposes people for their sin, and the people that don't want to come to the light that that are happy in their sin, like these religious leaders... They're going to fight the light. They're going to come against the light. They don't come to the light in brokenness. Now, a few of them did. Nicodemus did, but very few of the religious leaders. And the Jews, by and large, what they do? They rejected their Messiah. And they said, oh, he, he's not the Messiah. No, no, no. And they had him crucified. Opposed God's Messiah Mary's hearing this for the first time. He's a sign. He's a divine miracle that is going to be opposed. You know the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did. We know that the biggest miracle he ever did was when he fed the multitudes, 5,000 men plus women and children. That that hit the most people. That's recorded in all four gospels. But the, the most powerful miracle that he ever did outside of his own resurrection was the resurrection of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And when he raised four-day-old dead Lazarus from the grave, it was in Bethany. Bethany is only a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And, man, the news spread like wildfire what he did. And the Pharisees heard about it. And they convened a meeting to talk about this. This is a notable miracle. We can't deny it. What are we going to do? And it says this in John 11, 47 and 48, therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. We're going to lose our place. We got a cushy job. We like being the religious leaders, and the Romans aren't going to like it, and we're going to lose our nation. And what do we need to do? What is our response to the raising of Lazarus from the dead, which proves this is God in the flesh? What is our response to that? We need to kill Jesus. That was their response. They opposed him. Why? Because they loved their sin. Because light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. What a heartbreak! The divine miracle who produces intense opposition. And then, important truth number four he is a sword who brings pain and gain to true followers. A sword. See, talks about the stone. And then he talks about the sign, and then he mentions the sword. Verse 35, and a sword, Mary, will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Sword. The Greek word that's used here is for a long sword. Here's a picture of a Roman soldier's sword. It's a long sword. It could be uh, two and a half, three, maybe even four feet, this long sword. And, and it's going to go through her. To pierce doesn't mean to just puncture. It means to go all the way through. And he's saying, there's a sword coming for you, Mary, and it's going to pierce your own soul. Go all the way through your own soul. You talk about pain. Now, this is the message that she gets from Simeon. She has just been blown away from, she told uh, Elizabeth, from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. Blessed. Because the Lord has seen his humble bondservant in the little grease spot town known as Nazareth, and he has chosen me by his grace and by his goodness. Everything is just like, wow, God chose me to be the mother of the Messiah. But being the mother of the Messiah, there is pain associated with that. Can you imagine a mother loving a child more than Mary loved Jesus? He's God. You get to be the mother of God, the son of God. But then you get to see this boy grow up, and this boy arrested, and this boy beaten, and this boy crucified. A sword is going to pierce your own soul. What does that say to you and me today? Suffering is part of the deal on earth as followers of Christ. You're gonna suffer, I'm gonna suffer if we really walk with God. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, yea, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's gonna be heartache and heartbreak and pain. When the Apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus, met the Lord on the road to Damascus, he was blinded, Acts chapter nine. And then the Lord told Ananias, go, to Saul of Tarsus and pray for him. And uh, Ananias didn't want to do it because he said, Lord, I've heard much about this guy Saul. He's terrible. He he hates you. He hates those who follow you. And the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine. He's going to speak to kings about me for I must show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul suffered for the Lord's Name, Yea, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hey, suffering is a part of the deal on earth, but let me tell you the good news. Glory is all of the deal in heaven. Glory is all of the deal in heaven. We are going to have pain in this life following the Lord Jesus, but... We're going to have such tremendous gain. And the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. Momentary light affliction, Second Corinthians 4. Paul said, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison." Hey, is there pain in the Christian life? Yes. Is there difficulty in the Christian life? Yes. Is there gain in the Christian life? Yes. So much gain that it outweighs any kind of pain that you and I could ever experience. The suffering is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. But it's a false gospel that says the Christian life is all honey and no bees. There are bees, and I think the bees are getting ready to really sting in America in the days ahead. But we are called to be faithful. For the Lord Jesus, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We consider him who has endured such hostility among sinners against himself, that we may not grow weary and lose heart. Now, in closing, I want you to think of this. Something so cool. I read this in a commentary by Warren Wiersbe, and I had never seen it before, but he said this about Simeon. Simeon had a promise. He would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when Mary and Joseph come into the temple with Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, that's the one. That's the one. Little 40-day-old Jesus. That's the one. And so what does he do? He tells Mary and Joseph what the Holy Spirit had said, and he takes Jesus, little baby Jesus, and he takes him up in his arms, and he looks at that little baby. He's looking at the face of God, and he knows it, and he looks at that little one, and he blesses God, and he said, now, Lord, your servant can depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My arms have embraced your salvation. And Simeon was able to depart in peace." Listen, as we close out today. Until you embrace salvation and what Jesus did for you on the cross in the empty tomb, until that becomes real and personal for you, until it's John 3:16, it's not just for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but when John 3:16 becomes for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. And it becomes personal and you receive his salvation, you embrace his salvation, you're not ready to die you will not depart in peace. You will depart in horror and you will depart and go to hell and be separated from God forever and ever and ever. But if you will do what Simeon did and embrace the Lord, you can today be saved. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, today is the day of salvation.
0: If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, our prayer is that today would be that day for you. For you to say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive my sin and save me. I want to turn from my sin and seek to live for you the rest of my days. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if that is the prayer of your sincere heart, you're now a child of God and nothing can separate you from his love and kinship. We invite you to go to FromHisHeart.org. Click the Why Jesus link. For more information, it'll help you get started. You can also download some free materials as well. And would you let us know too from our website? We'd be so encouraged. Whether you're new to Christ or a longtime believer, would you like to embark on a journey that will transform your spiritual life and unlock a deep sense of joy and peace and hope? Pastor Jeff Shreve and 51 other Christian pastors and leaders have created a new daily devotional book for each day of next year. It's called everyday joy and peace devotional book. It'll guide you into cultivating a tender heart filled with joy and peace and a deeper connection with God. That, of course, means a life filled with His abundant blessings. This gorgeous new devotional book with a faux leather cover is our gift of thanks to you for your support from His Heart this month. It's a vital time to support us as we strive to move into next year on a solid financial footing and take advantage of greater expansion opportunities to share the good news. Would you help us with a year in gift today? Simply call 86640 Bible. 86640 Bible or go online to give your calendar year in gift at fromhisheart.org. And when you do make that gift, we'll send you the Everyday Joy and Peace devotional book from Pastor Jeff as our thanks. God bless you and yours and Merry Christmas. I'm Larry Nobles, hoping that you'll be right back here tomorrow when Pastor Jeff begins the last lesson in this series, The Dividing Line, A Baby Changes Everything. That's on Wednesday, here on From His Heart. His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you, and He has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at FromHisHeart.org.